0: Hello, it's Jim Dunn. I'm the editor of the Journal of Epidemiology and Community Health, and I'm joined today by Corey Gelletly, who is the author of a new article that's forthcoming in the Journal of Epidemiology and Community Health called Prenatal Sex Selection and Female Infant Mortality are More Common in India After First and Second Born Daughters. This is a really controversial issue, and Corey and his team have done Uh, an excellent job in trying to identify some of the key parameters of this important social problem and important health issue. So, Corey, can you tell me why did you do this study?
1: Hi, Jim. Yes, uh, I've been working on human sex ratios for a number of years, in particular looking at uh, genetic variation in the human sex ratio and whether uh, some couples are more likely to have girls and some more likely to have boys. And uh, with my co-author, Marion Petrie, we began looking at the demographic and health survey data sets, which are based on on questionnaires in which women are asked about their reproductive history, including the health and survival of their children and their own health and economic circumstances. Uh, So we looked at a number of countries. India turned out to be a, a really interesting example of an unusual sex ratio with a lot of different things going on. So for example, there's a strong cultural preference for sons in India. So you see differences in family size related to the number of sons and daughters that families have. And then you have the issue of uh, prenatal sex selection, uh, which is primarily the issue of sex selective abortion, uh, where female fetuses are aborted after they've been identified with an ultrasound scan and families try again for a boy. And then there's the issue of of a high level of female infant mortality in India. And so reviewing the literature, we realised there was a lack of research on the issue of excess female infant mortality and how that might relate to the increase in uh, sex-selective abortion that's happened over the last 30 years. Our research prediction was that an increasing use of sex-selective abortion to get sons might have resulted in a decline of female infant mortality because there would effectively be fewer unwanted daughters being born, and so fewer daughters it might be exposed to the risk of neglect, abandonment, and so on. And so this is uh, really what we set out to test.
0: And how did the results look?
1: Yeah, well, we, we used a, a different sort of uh, statistical approach, a more fine-grained approach than, than in previous studies. And we were able to break the results down by household wealth. So, yeah, uh, we were able to break the results down by household wealth and really see where the issue of sex-selective abortion resides, really, whether it's in the wealthier households and the poorer households and so on.
0: So, Corey, there's been other studies in the past that have looked at sex-selective abortion and how it's associated with household wealth, as well as the relationship to uh, sex of older siblings. How does your study, your study is using a, a different statistical approach, what did, what did you find?
1: What we found is that for second-born children and third-born children, there, there was a, a much a greater proportion of missing female births uh, after I, either the firstborn was a daughter or, or the first and second born were daughters, which which indicates that families are turning to sex-selective abortion after after they've already had one or two, two daughters. So with a strong preference for sons, it, it's not from the first birth, it's, it's after they've already had one daughter, already had two daughters, and then the, 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 the desire for a son and to have both sexes of, of uh, children in the family, it, it's really acted upon.
0: Right. So when you say missing, you mean essentially that statistically there were fewer than expected, fewer male births than expected in the second born and third born.
1: Yeah, that's correct. We, we use a method where we look at the, the, the combinations of, of the siblings. So whether there's a male first then a female, a female first then a male, two females and a male and, and so on. Uh, and we can analyze the, the frequencies of these combinations. And it gives us a, a quite a fine-grained statistical approach that we can break down into uh, categories of household wealth uh, as well. Uh, and we can compare that against the, the possibility of it happening by chance. Uh, and we can really see where where there are missing females. Uh, and the combination where we find females are missing most is after the firstborn daughter two firstborn daughters and, and also in the wealthier households that's where it really first started was we, we don't look at beyond the second and third born but what we see is that at the third born in the wealthiest households in the in the early 1980s is where it first started and then it spread through to the, the middle income and the, the poorer households it's only later in the 90s and early 2000s you started to see it being used for the second birth as well. So families weren't just having two daughters and then deciding to go through the sex-selective abortion procedure to get a daughter. Uh, At the third birth, they were doing it at the second birth more as well.
0: Uh, Well, that's uh, incredibly interesting. So one of the things that's often been suspected and, and even demonstrated in other studies is that there's not just selective abortion that goes on, but also uh, infanticide and child neglect. Are you able to directly uh, observe any of of those kinds of uh, of outcomes?
1: Well, this was the other part of the study that that we we did. we We wanted to really test the prediction that with families having the option to to abort daughters, we' made the prediction that because those daughters weren't born, and presumably they, in, in many cases they wouldn't would have been uh, unwanted that female infant mortality would be uh, reduced so so we, we also tested whether daughters born after a firstborn or a second born daughter were at higher risk of mortality uh, and th- this is something we did we did find when you look at those daughters who were born after a firstborn or a second born daughter that they were at higher risk and a slightly elevated risk of mortality compared to a, a second or third born son who was born after a first or second born daughter.
0: So, and so that's more or less consistent with uh, the studies that have shown the evidence of infanticide and, uh, and child neglect. Uh,
1: in, in our study, we don't actually know the causes of death or, of the children, we should say. We assume it might be uh, to, due to ne- neglect, uh, abandonment. Uh, one of the things we controlled for was the, the birth interval between the previous birth and, and the child that was that was born, the one we were looking at uh, for risk of elevated mortality. And uh, because if you're born too soon after your, your sibling, you're, you're, you're at a greater risk, but we're, we're actually controlled for the birth interval. So we can say with some certainty, it's not that. But we also tested for an effect of household wealth on uh, female infant mortality, but uh, we didn't find any correlation there between, between household wealth and the, the level of excess female infant mortality. So that's not to say that infant mortality isn't higher in poorer households, because it is. It's to say that we find no evidence that second and third-born daughters with older sisters are more vulnerable in poorer households. It's not, not necessarily something we can identify as being specific to a wealthier group or, or a poorer group, unlike with the sex selective of abortion where where we find this is very much focused in the wealthier households. And, uh, I mean, that's perhaps because they can afford the the procedure of going for the ultrasound scan to identify the sex of the child and then paying for an abortion.
0: Well, that's actually an interesting point. So one of the conclusions that you put forward at the end of the paper is that the inability of women to access safe abortion is, in fact, a potential cause of elevated female infant mortality. How did you reach this conclusion?
1: Well, the evidence from the study tells us that uh, women who are mostly accessing abortions for sex selection uh, are those who already have daughters because they go for an abortion after they've already had one or two daughters because they want to abort the third daughter so they can uh, go on to try for a son. But what we postulate is that deaths and injuries to mothers caused by undergoing unsafe abortions, and, and there are uh, quite a lot of deaths to, to mothers through unsafe abortions in, in India, because um, sex selective abortions are illegal. So, so we postulate that the, the daughters of those mothers who die, or uh, are, are injured through sex-sex abortions, who uh, might suffer. So we, we postulate this might be a, a possible additional cause of uh, elevated female infant mortality because of the, the daughters that are in their, their care suffering from the loss of a mother.
0: Well, thank you very much, uh, Corey. I really appreciate you joining us to discuss this paper. Uh, It's really an important topic and uh, a potentially very sensitive one, and uh, your paper is making a really strong contribution to the literature and our knowledge in this area. So the guest today on this podcast has been Corey Galatli. He is a research scientist at Newcastle University. And the paper that he was talking about is called Prenatal Sex Selection and Female Infant Mortality Are More Common in India After First and Second Born Daughters. The paper will appear in a forthcoming issue of the Journal of Epidemiology and Community Health, and you'll be able to find it at www.jech.com that's www.jech.com and you can always follow us on twitter where our handle is at jech underscore bmj that's at jech underscore bmj i'm jim dunn and i want to thank you for joining us today